Noah painted this. Corey gave it to him to hold, but he's the, he is the artiste who painted this. It's beautiful. He is a gifted artist. He's also the artist on the discipleship in the back, and that's appropriate for today as we are reaching the end of our spiritual gifts series, and then next week we'll talk about disciples making disciples and wrap up our jour- the journey, and, um, and that's all about what it means to be a disciple here at Arbor Point Church. But before we do that, we need to touch on a few important things about the application of our spiritual gifts. The series, this series has been by Charles Swindoll, and he points out that along the way, many of us can sometimes, as we're seeking to become mature adults, hang on to some adolescent uh, values and some adolescent attitudes. And, you know, if God were like an anxious parent, he might find, we might find him pacing around in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering what his adolescent children are up to. Oh no, what are they doing with these spiritual gifts that I gave them? What is it? Oh, I can't believe that Michael Appling is doing that. What is, is, is he going to turn it around? Is, and Brad, what is Brad going to do with those gifts that I gave him? Kind of like what we do with our kids, right, as they're growing up, going through their insecurities and, and their questionings and the struggles of adolescence as they seek to grow and become adults. And we might view God like that, except God's not like that at all. In fact, God is not biting his nails or waiting up late for us. He puts his arm around us. He draws us near. He's confident in us. We are his children. He knows that, and he wraps us in that. Perhaps he speaks to us as Paul did to Timothy when, when Timothy said this to him. This is in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And we like to point that at our youth, and it's applicable to our youth, but it's also us in our spiritual journey. We we have to move from childhood through adolescence into spiritual maturity to become and live out all that God would have us to be. And we sometimes find ourselves kind of bouncing back and forth between childhood and adulthood, between adolescence and maturity. Am I going to make this choice or that choice? Between theory, yeah, it's a great idea to be a Christian, and practice, actually taking the steps to follow Jesus and on the path that he puts in front of us regardless of whether we can see beyond the next turn. And during that stage, we can sometimes have this attitude of defiance and even arrogance. I know best, God. I know what I need to do. I'm going to do this regardless of what you think. So we have to be cautious and careful, as Swindoll would warn us. In fact, he lists four attitudes for us to be cautious of. The first attitude that he lists is, I'll exercise my gifts when the right feelings of inspiration come from God. I'm going to wait on the right feelings. Spiritual gifts, by the way, are not tingly feelings or mountaintop moments. We love those when they happen, but that's not a spiritual gift. God gives them calmly, and he gives them to us with purpose and intention that we would live it out, as Corey illustrated very well. You know, Saul, it was, if there's no one with the hammer then 
we're not hanging the painting. If there's no one to do the art, then we don't have the painting to hang. There's no one to, to level it, then it's crooked, like, you know, my life gets sometimes. You know, when I don't have that leveler in my life to bring me back. We need one another. We talked about that last week, 1 Corinthians 12. To each one is given the manifestation of the, uh, of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. God has given each of us talents and gifts in the body of Christ and where what those gifts that he give uh, gives us are to be used when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it your spiritual giftedness is not dependent on how you feel in fact it's probably especially when we don't feel like it because sometimes we get scared about using our gifts and, and walking into the place that God has called us to be because it's usually into a place that's not comfortable but when we become spiritually mature, when we grow into our faith, we understand that how we feel should not dictate what we do in our journey. There's an old recovery tenant. It's from a, a old timer named Chuck C. Chuck Chamberlain. He's passed away now, and he he put it this way. He said, "You cannot think your way into a new a, new way of acting, but you just might be able to act your way into a new way of thinking. You can't think your way into a new way of acting." but you just might act your way into a new way of thinking. In other words, what we do can influence what we believe. And doesn't that make sense? Because as we do things, we gain experience, and those experiences can challenge previously held beliefs, and those previously held beliefs can then go by the wayside, and we live a new life and a fresh life. If you wait until you feel like it, what's likely to happen? You're going to be waiting your whole life. I'm going to do it, but I've got to feel it. It's got to be the right time. Well, i got news for you. You know when the right time is? Now. Now is the right time to walk into the calling that God has in your life. The second attitude is my gifts are the most important of all. Or, conversely, because some of us put ourselves down, my gifts are the least important of all. Both of those attitudes need to be let go of. We are not higher than or lower than one another. We, were, we are on an equal plane in the body of Christ. And the interesting thing about that, in both of those extremes, you know where the focus is? It's on self. Whether I think that I am the most gifted of all, I mean, I am, but still. If <laughs> where's my focus? It's on me. But if I think that I'm just not as good as anybody else, where's my focus? It's still on me. It's not on everybody else. It's on I'm the least. I have no worth. That's a self-focus. Keeps us locked into, keeps us bound up. You're just, we are equals. We enter into this body of Christ as equals. Remember the thing about the eye and the, if there is no eye, we don't see very good. If the whole body was an eye, I, mean, I get that picture in my head sometimes of that, in that video. No gifts should be exalted and no gifts should be lowered. Your gifts 
are essential. And if we're going to function as the body of Christ and be healthy, we need one another. Third attitude is I refuse all involvement not related to my gifts. If it's not related to my gifts, then I'm not going to do it. Timothy is, is our, you know, the passage in 1 Timothy 4 is, is a good one for today. Timothy had the gift of being a pastor and being a teacher, but Paul didn't just leave it there. He said, you know, I need you to do evangelism as well. His giftedness was pastor and teacher, but he said, go be an evangelist. Most hear this. This is, this is important for us because sometimes we, well, that's just not my giftedness. Most spiritual gifts should find expression in the life of all Christians. It may not be the gift that's given to you as your spiritual gift, but all the gifts can still be a part of your life and part of your journey. We should all serve. We should all give. We should all evangelize. We should all teach, exhort. And, and that's regardless of what our particular gifts are. Some of us are, are gifted at that, right? And so the impact might be greater. It doesn't mean that the rest of us go, we don't have to do that. We're all called to service and called to be a part of what God is doing. And the last one th that he lists is, I quit. Ministry is simply too hard. And nobody appreciates what I'm doing. When we're young in the faith, we often look at, look for appreciation. We look for folks to appreciate and give us that feedback. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to encourage and lift up one another. But it's not the criteria, right? It's not the criteria. Ministry is seldom a smooth freeway. It's seldom a smooth road. There's ups and downs and sideways, and it's been this way all along. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And then he tells where that statement comes from. He says, make every effort to come to me soon, for Dima, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Then a little bit later, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. And then later he says, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. Sometimes ministry is hard, and it feels like, like, where is everybody, and I don't have the support that I need. But it has been hard from the beginning. When we grow up in the faith, when we become mature, we understand what it means to have a childlike faith, that that is essential in that we trust the Father in heaven just like a newborn trusts his parents. That's a childlike faith. It's also critical that we don't have a childish faith. Childish faith is focused on ourselves, and, and that will prevent us from actually fulfilling God's calling in our life. Paul wrote to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gifts within you because he didn't want him to, to give up. He didn't want him to set that aside. He wanted him to grab hold of who God had made him to be. And, and that same message is for us. I don't know exactly what your spiritual gifts are. I know that you have spiritual gifts. And in, that, in those spiritual gifts, God wants to do something in your life that impacts the lives of others. That's who he is. That's what he wants. Do not give up. Do not give up. And as we close out this part of the series, Wendell also gave us some guidelines to follow. The first is to gain information, that we are to gain information, that we're to study, 
that we're to seek God's, God's word, we're to seek it out, we're to be in groups, we're to be in small groups, we're to be in groups that will help us and challenge us to grow and to become the men and women that God would have us to be. Psalm 119 says that the unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. And study of God's word is critical as a Christian if we're going to become who God has called us to be. And that's helpful for with spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts can sometimes be confusing. And we need one another to help us in the journey. The second is to be tolerant of the giftedness of others. In that passage, Paul says, don't let people look down on you because you're young. You're gifted. And each of us it ha is, has different gifts, so let's not elevate one above the other. And the third is to focus your attention Paul advised Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. But hear this, he didn't tell him to do all of it. He didn't tell him to shoulder the entire workload. He told him to pay attention to reading of Scriptures, exhortation and teaching. Focus on your specific gifts, Timothy. Not that he didn't have to do any of the other things, because we all do, right? But he wasn't supposed to be a one-man team. And if the pastors and churches try to be a one-man team, the church will never grow, never be successful, never be who they're called to be. Similarly, God doesn't expect us to volunteer on every single project either. Discern that. Look at that. Where is it that God would have me to be? Where is it that God would have me to be in the exercising of my gifts? And where is it that I need to right now fill a gap? Both those things are important in the church. And his last point is to seek confirmation of your gifts. To seek confirmation of your gifts. Confirmation from others is an important factor in all of this. I think we've all had those Sunday school teachers that were like, I want to go to that class because I get something out of that that, you know, you say afterwards and you talk to them because you want to learn and you want to learn more and they have the spiritual gift of teaching. I think we've all probably been to those classes where we're in the class going... What time is it? Each of us in our spiritual gift, pastors need to do this, I need to do this too, you know? Are th is this my gift? Is this the place that I'm called to be? What does that look like in my life? Is God having an impact in the lives of others through the giftedness that I have? And then Paul gives a final warning in verse 16. He says, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. We just talked about not being selfish, right? But pay close attention to yourself. Pay close attention to your calling, guys. Pay close attention to your teaching and what that looks like. Preaching and practice have this symbiotic relationship. Your gifts and your ministry will have a symbiotic relationship. They are mutually dependent on one another. And for Timothy, it was the teaching aspect. And, and the teaching is only as powerful as the life behind it. The life is only as powerful as the teaching behind it. So we strive to be the best we can, knowing that we're going to fall down. I fail more often than I'd like to admit. But I will not stay down. I'm going to get up. I'm going to try again. Because that's what we're called to do. There was a gentleman in the 1968 Olympics. His name was John Stephen Aquari. 
of Tanzania. And he was just another marathon runner, but he was an Alicama caliber runner. He'd won some marathons in Africa, running in times under two and a half hours. And he easily qualified for the Olympics, but he got to Mexico City, which is a different fit place to run for our runners would know when you're at altitude, it is not the same. And so he was uh, encountered that, and then he began to have some real trouble, uh, but he kept going. And then this happened. So here's the video. When Aquari finally entered into the arena for that last lap, there were only a couple thousand people there to see him complete the race, and he finished dead last, more than an hour behind the winner, and it seems like he lost that race, except that he wasn't a loser, he was a winner. In an interview, a reporter asked him, why didn't you quit? And he had this to say, he said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. We are on a marathon. The Christian journey is filled with ups and downs. We're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. We're going to have those times when we're like, this is awesome. And we're going to have days where we go, where are you? God did not send us to start the race. God sent us to finish the race. Amen. Father, thank you for who you are. We pray, Lord, that you would continue the work in this place that you have begun in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.